This is an Ask Brothers production. Follow us on Twitter at The Ask Brothers. Get all our content on YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, and SoundCloud at Ask Bros. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to smash that subscribe button. Wait, hey, um, sorry about being 45 minutes late. I my fault, com- my fault. Completely and totally blame Darren <laughs> because he's such a jet setter now. You know, he, he jet sets between different countries and because of that, the time zones for Darren are, you know, they're all mixed up. But Darren, that's that's the life of a, of a pimp. That's the life of a Spanish drug lord, dope growing, underground, scarface menace that you are to the world. Well, that's very kind of you to say so. However, I'm back in the office for the first time in, what, about six weeks. Are my teeth looking white? <laughs> I love the light in here. They are looking white, Darren. They are indeed. <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry, sorry to- As sorry, usual, man. Toby has just messaged me saying, oh, I could probably jump on. Yeah, better good. Late. Yeah. Be- yeah, better late than never. Uh, link sent. See, I blame you. You said usual time, and the usual time has been nine o'clock, but I forgot I just uh, swapped countries. I've been away for six weeks. It's complicated. Here, I've got some news, though. All What's being well, I bought a house. That's it. Yeah, we fucking found that out two weeks ago, mate. Oh, did you? All oh, right. Yeah. Well, it, it was feels your, like it's it happening. Was your, it was your big news two weeks ago. but uh, <laughs> It, wasn't, you know, it didn't happen be... two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, we got knocked back on that one. I bought a much better house now. <laughs> Does it have better land for growing illegal dope so you can become Darren, god of dope growing in Spain? Well, obviously, that's nothing that I would do, but yes, it has seven acres. <laughs> uh, Don Darren. Ah. All that can be said is that's a lot of chuff, Darren. A lot of chuff indeed. Um, uh, another... Another week, Darren, another week goes past. Another fucking international break, mate. And, you know, I think everyone's going to fucking do the Liverpool game to death. And we'll, you know, we will talk about the Liverpool game. But I'd rather talk about kind of the future and the ramifications of the Liverpool game rather than actually talking in depth about the Liverpool game. But I just wanted to start, Darren. International football for you. On a scale of one to ten, compared to how much you used to love international football, do you still fucking care about international football? Or is it just a massive disruption to Arsenal for you as well? Because it just... I have no desire to watch us go and play Andorra. No, I guess... San Marino, whoever the fuck we play. There's a couple of things here. Firstly, I think I'm a bit like everyone. Couldn't give a toss until it gets to the finals, you know, and then it's great. I love watching the Euros. I love watching the World Cup. Great excuse just to go out, catch up, have a beer. Fantastic, you know, so I've got no issue with that. I've been, you know, I've been an advocate for years of, I think, pretty much what Wenger's doing. I've never, I haven't really read Wenger's plan, but I've always said for ages, if we're going to stop, stop once and do it as a mini tournament and do it on the years there isn't a World Cup or a European Championships, have a six-week period where you do all your qualifying and we'll get behind it. 
do it in the summer, do it for six weeks, let everyone get behind it. And yes, there will be some shit games in there, but do it all in one little block of six weeks and then we'll all get in, we'll have injuries, we'll have new players coming in. It'll be exciting. The squad will really be stretched and it'll be fun. And it gives you practice. All the players get away, they all get away and they they get used to tournament football. I don't understand why we break once in the middle of a season, let alone three times, and it's only fucking November. Don't get it. Don't get it at all. And I think when you... I think for Arsenal specifically, Darren, I'm interested if you agree with this, but I, I think when you have a younger team and you have a team that's building something with a younger manager and a new manager, that these international breaks are not good. <laughs> They're not good for Arsenal. They seem to sort of pump the brakes on Arsenal and just just put more games into, into young players' legs than what's required. I mean... Coming into the Liverpool game, Darren, were you A, confident, B, not confident, or C, is what it is, ready to see what happened? Yeah, I don't think you can blame the international break. We're, we're in, a, in, a, in a luxury position, some would say, that we don't have any European football this year. And as that gets to the um, the sharp end of those tournaments, that's when we might see an advantage that we get this year. If, if all of the teams, Spurs, uh, United, Chelsea, all qualify to the latter stages and then have to play their first teams rather than reserve teams in these in these competitions, then we might see some benefit. But I don't think you can blame the weekend on, on the international break. Really, that first half against Liverpool is pretty much what I hope for. And the second half is unfortunately what is going to happen with this project. We are a young side, um, not still many leaders in that team, and we collapsed a little. And it was sad to see because for half an hour in that game, I thought we really fought hard and we were on the front foot and things were okay, you know, but it is Liverpool. You know, like we've been beaten by Liverpool, Chelsea and Manchester City, and that's the Champions League finalists and semi-finalists last year. We're we're a long way. We're not even in the Europa League conference this year. You know, there is a gulf. Uh, I love the way we're addressing it. You know, performances haven't been as good as results in this run that we've had. But we're we're doing, you know, as a young team, confidence is so fragile. And we've gradually built that confidence up. And you could see that there was a completely different attitude at Anfield than there was when we went to the City. When we went to City, we looked like a team that was trying not to get spanked. And on Saturday evening, I thought we looked like a team that went there confident and thinking we could win. Unfortunately, as soon as it was starting to go wrong, it went tits up and it went tits up really quickly. And the, the concern for me is, is how much damage that will do to that fragile confidence. Yeah, so for me, that's the, the toss of the coin, Darren. And I guess that's the damned if you do and damned if you don't. Um, I, I guess kind of attitude of Arsenal fans. I saw some weird shit online, Darren. I saw people saying, oh, you know, you should have played El Nenny. You should have torn Tierney back into the team. We should have played Pepe. We should have started Odegaard. We should have done this. We should have done that. And I thought to myself, all of last season, one of the main things that people yelled at Arteta for was over-tinkering and chinning people and pulling people out of the team and changing things when it didn't need to be changed and people just wanted a set first 11. And then we go on a great run with essentially a first 11. And as soon as we come to a loss, everyone says, oh, well, he should have fucking tinkered with it. He should have changed the shape. He should have changed a winning team. And it's like surely more damage would be done 
by getting someone like Nuno Tavaj, who, yes, he, he, he played a bad pass for one of the goals, but I actually thought overall he defended quite well and, and did quite a reasonable job. But surely you do more damage by going and ripping him out of a team or changing the structures or make everyone play in a different different way than by doing what we did, which was, well, let's actually see where this 11 in the style that we're playing is against an apex team. Um, I think to a certain extent you're right, except on the example that you used. I think one thing that Arteta has done very well this year is he has backed his players. If they've played well or if they've trained well, he's put them in the side and he's not been frightened to do that. However, if Kieran Tierney was fit, and I know he hasn't had the greatest season, going away to Anfield for a young kid who, I'm talking about Nuno Tavares here now, he, to me, we've all liked him because of his energy, but he's got a bit of Jovino in him, hasn't he? He doesn't really know what he's doing. He's full of energy, he chases about a bit, He's uh, going forward, he shoots from everywhere. He's a bit of a loose cannon and you can do that against a lot of teams in the Premier League. I know you're, you're flashing messages up. I've just read all of uh, the messages that have come up and they're all from Why Not and I'm ignoring him for the time being until he gets me so wound up I have to. Yep. He's, just, uh, he's, just, he's just throwing a, he's throwing a rod into a chum-filled yeah. shaft pit at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to ignore him for the minute. Sorry, those who are listening on the podcast. We have live comments coming in all the time here and uh, it's hard sometimes to uh, to focus. But what my point is, is I think, really do think that if Kieran Tinney was fit, then he's got the experience of playing international football for a long time. He's, uh, you know, he's, he's an experienced player that isn't going to be fearful of playing up against one of his mates you know, he's on the opposite side and he uh, uh, he would have relished that opportunity. If he was fit, and I'm not saying I know he was, but if he was fit, that was one change I thought should have been made because Tavares absolutely can, you know, he's got a long future ahead of him. He was bought as a backup. He would be really happy to look back, I'm sure, on what he had, a run of four games in the side. Uh, he's played really well. He's upped his credibility with the fan base and everything. So I really do think that, that was the one error that he probably made is that he should have put Tierney straight back in. The rest of it I would have gone with, you know? You see, I actually thought that Tabaj in that first half physically stood up really, really well to Salah and matched up well to Salah in the sense that he was a big body, he was strong, he didn't get knocked off the ball. I mean, it was actually his, his going forward and his link-up play that was a little bit disastrous. Um, but, I mean, again, I, you know, it's so easy to say put KT back into the team. It's so easy to say that he would have had this this profound effect on the team. But I still come back to the, the idea or the sense of you've had 11 guys who have gone out there and done the job for you for a period of time. Why change it? If I was going to make a single change, Darren, I maybe would have played... Ainsley Maitland-Niles, you know, man of the match in the last two games that he'd played, big physical runner, proven to have an intricate passing game. Um, I maybe would have put an extra man in midfield and taken the pressure off Sambi Lekonga, taken the pressure off a, let's call it, 75% fit Thomas Party. Uh, Toby, you've joined us, so you might as well, um, you might as well weigh in on the early debate. Basically, Toby, would any changes have really 
made that much of a difference? Was it the team selection or was it just a, a group of young kids who eventually got turned around and bummed by a bigger dick in their young assholes? Well, that, I would say. Um, the latter, certainly. To discuss some of the former, um, I certainly agree that in hindsight, maybe KT wasn't the worst choice. I don't. I think he's certainly overcome his fitness stuff um, by now. But like you said, Tavaj, or whatever the fuck you call him, Tavares, is um, he's a big boy and he didn't seem to make too many mistakes defensively. You know, it was more that he couldn't cope with the press so much of them. Then speaking of the press, that's my um, sort of biggest error in Arteta's selection was not picking Mainsley because he's one of the few with the technical acumen mm. to bypass a press like that. Um, and he's got better short passing, you know, from an attacking sense. And I thought that we just kept getting shut down in the midfield and couldn't progress the ball to uh, Lacazette or Aubameyang in particular, you know. So that that's probably the difference in selection. So I was happily surprised that Partey was there. Um, but at the same time, he certainly didn't set the world on fire. And whether that's because he was underdone, that's that's probably a thing. Uh, and and Lekonga certainly struggled in possession, if not so much in his defensive role. I read so an that, interesting article on Thomas Party saying that he is low. He is and has always been quite low on the is it aerobic fitness? Is it aerobic might even be it might even be anaerobic. Might, I think it's anaerobic on their anaerobic fitness. So when he was when he was at fucking uh, Athleti, mm. he sort of regularly kind of 65, 70 minutes used to fall out of game. So anyway, because he is naturally built that way, like that's that's the way he's 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 built. Um, mm. Time off for him, his fitness level comes in very low and it takes him time to get up to his top fitness level, which is already kind of a little bit of a step below. Um, so yeah. maybe not, maybe... I know I'm a big Ainsley Maitland-Niles fan. I know I've got a big heart on for Ainsley Maitland-Niles, but I find that his ability to get out of a press actually buys everyone time around him. And this is, I guess, Ainsley when Ainsley is playing well, not Ainsley when Ainsley is playing poorly, but we can only go on what we've seen recently. What we've seen recently is he was man of the match in the last two games that he played, granted against very, very different opposition. The other thing I'll say about Mainsley as well is actually traditionally, Mainsley has played best against the better opposition. Mainsley has switched off against worse opposition, but big games, he's got a big set of bollocks on him and he likes fucking going out there. And he would almost cherry pick. If you look at his best games for Arsenal prior to this, uh, FA Cup finals, FA Cup semi-finals, big games for Mainsley against big players when he likes to stand up. Uh, it, it, for me, it, it would have been a game for him and off the back of a man of the match performance, he must be standing there looking at it saying, what the fuck do I have to do to get into this team? And it, it was clear to me that party wasn't a hundred percent. I thought Sambi Lokonga actually played a lot better than what people thought he played because he had a couple of, a couple of poor passes or a couple of misplaced passes. 
Um, but one thing I think was um, particularly interesting, Darren, I want to know if you picked up on this as well. Liverpool didn't press us particularly heavily in the first 30 minutes. We moved the ball well, we passed the ball well, we passed the ball quickly from out the back, and it seemed that Liverpool didn't really hit top gear until after Arteta and Klopp had a fucking spat. Yeah, I agree. We played. We, we, I don't think it's so much they didn't press us. We played well out of the press. You know, we were confident. We were knocking the ball around. That's all it is. The young kids, when they're full of confidence, they, they weren't scared of Liverpool. That first half an hour, mm. you know, Liverpool got better and better as that half went on. I'm not going to make out that we were we ever looked like winning the game. But for half an hour, we looked like a team that wanted to win the game and was planning to win the game. You know, Liverpool got into it. You're right, that spat on the touchline did. Got the crowd up. Got the players going a little bit more on their side. And this is where I'm talking about, you know, it's a very young, inexperienced side. Going to Anfield isn't easy as a supporter, let alone as a player, let alone as a 20-year-old player. You know, it's a difficult environment. And that's where I thought it was a little bit surprising. He went with party for his experience and I still haven't seen him play well. I seem to say every week, is he all that? I mean, I really, you know, I, know I keep hearing about how wonderful he is. I still haven't seen it. He's had 15 minutes here and there where he's, he's played some good passes, you know. And he, the rest of the time, he's a bit like John Jensen, just shoots 400 miles over the bar. You know, he's, he, he, he hasn't done anything to retain that position. But if you're going to go with a little bit more experience, then you play Tierney and you play Party. Um, I just thought he left Tavares open to what happened and Lukonga to a certain extent. They, let's just hope they're not destroyed. And thankfully, we're at home to Newcastle at the weekend, which is possibly the easiest game in the Premier League at the moment. I wouldn't uh, be so sure of that, Daz. I'm not saying we're going to win, but they've got a new manager. He's got COVID, so he's not even training the players. Do you know, it's, uh, oh, it's, is, is he not back yet? Well, uh, I mean, he's, he wasn't there last weekend. It does take 10 days of isolation. You know, he's not he's not going to be able to put his stamp on. And they're fucking hopeless. They're the only team in the Premier League without a win. They are rubbish. They are no good. They are my favourites to go down. And I really hope it happens. I hope nobody I joins them in the winter. Much as Matt said on the podcast just a few weeks ago, oh, they deserve it. A giant club like Newcastle. All their fans, they deserve it. Fuck, Fuck off, do they deserve it? They don't deserve anything. They haven't won the fucking league since before I was born. They are not a fucking big club. They're just a fucking one uh, one fucking club in a fucking huge city. So they've got a lot of supporters. Stop being so fucking excited by them. Be more excited for fucking Derby County, Nottingham Forest, Sheffield Wednesday. They're all fucking big clubs. Newcastle don't fucking deserve it. They just fucking won the lottery. That's all. That's brilliant. Thank you, Darren. Thank you for your insightful... Uh, rambles as, as and, may, and may i just say max he's changed he's tried to change my mind about soul campbell that he's a cunt and oh, don't fucking and, st- no i won't stay i won't on I fucking won't. mute darren please i won't i won't go there and secondary a club that i've always admired loved their fan base and had a real soft spot for he's destroyed that as well. <laughs> toby that's that's because darren's a cunt right mm. so i realize yeah, the sooner you, you know, people are like, oh, what's that Darren bloke on Ars Bros? You know, he's so insightful. He's not. He's just like the rest of us. He's a cunt, and that's why he's here because he fits right in. Um, uh, Toby, interesting takeaways from the game. I mean, looking at Twitter and and you know, looking at, at at why not why not sentiment in the chat room. You know, who is a loyal listener. And has taken on the mantle of being the Aspros troll or the Arteta 
trouble, particularly trying to get Darren wound up. Um, Sorry to interrupt you, Max. I haven't got the glasses on. The last one from Why Not. Big up soul every time. Ruthless wanker. Is that what it says? I can't read it. Is that what it says? Ruthless winner. Oh, okay. Ruthless, right. ruthless, yeah. ruthless winner. Ruthless I winner. Think I'll read We're not that. talking about fucking Soul Campbell this fucking week. Anyway. Um, but looking at the kind of sentiments of people, Toby, uh, and again, you know, it's, it's it's Twitter, but it's a sample size of, of what the Arsenal fan base think. Um, did you think that we were, what's the word, unheroic? Did, did you think that we didn't, go out and give it a nudge? Because I thought quite the opposite in the first half. I thought it would be very easy to go out there and stick an extra man at the back. People were calling for a three at the back with Tierney and maybe Tavage in front of him. Um, did you think the first half was unheroic or that we didn't go out and try and get it? Because I thought we, we passed the ball from the back quite bravely, even if we didn't connect it particularly well. Yeah, totally. I mean, look, I'll start off by saying that is the first time in a few years, I reckon, that I was genuinely excited before a game against a big club. So let me just put that in. I was excited, actually excited. Excited or not shitting yourself? Totally. I, I thought, I honestly thought we had a chance. Um, I loved the contest. I loved the battle, especially that first half an hour or so. I could see what we were trying to do. Um, I could see that we were we were quite happy having low possession and we were trying to play to our strengths, draw draw them out. Obviously, passing out the back for, was a tactic to open up the field in front of us, you know, almost like a la Emery days. And um, you know, we were we were in it, you know, we we were in it. I think we struggled, we seemed to ignore the left the left-hand side and you know I think I think that's because Smith Rowe was struggling or you could you could also say that Alexander Arnold and Ox Chambo had an absolute blinder closing that side down so we were more right side dominant with the attack this time with with Saka and um Tomoyasu. So we are limited down that side when we choose to go down that more, especially with Tomoyasu. You know, I think we are, he's a great player, gets up and down wonderfully. You know, we all love him and admire everything that we do, that he does rather. But um, I just thought that channel got blocked a little bit. And the only thing we could do was go back to the, the centre backs and start again. And the midfield just wasn't performing in terms of progressing the ball. So when we went back across to the midfield, um, we just couldn't really do anything with it. So in answer to your question, Max, I thought we were totally in it. Um, the first goal, annoying from a set piece, um, but amazing delivery and finish. So you just got to give that one. And we really lost it when Tavares lost the ball. That's when the, the, flood, yeah, yeah. the flood gets and, so and not, who, who not only that not only that. So there was one part of it that there's one part of it of losing four nil. Was four nil that we lost or four one? Yeah, four nil. Four nil. There's one part of losing four nil that I didn't hate, right? And that was that when we went down that second goal, which was a fuck up, I feel we went down the other two goals because we tried to score goals. Of course. We, 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 and then we became really disconnected and easy to pull apart. But there's an element of that in the young team that I liked. 
that it was like, well, at this point, we're fucking gone. The three points are gone. So whether we lose fucking... And I, I get for, like, the travelling fans, and I've got lots of fucking friends who travel home and away online, and I see how frustrated they are. And can I just preface this by saying, I get it, right? You got on a fucking bus, you got on a train, you went to fucking Liverpool, you spent however much on a ticket, however much on pints of beer, however much on train fares. I get it. The away fans are always going to be the most vehemently upset of fans and say, well, you know, we wanted to go up there and, you know, we could have lost 1-0 or we could have lost 2-0 and, and, and shut the door and, and save face. But in all honesty, who gives a flying fuck at the point where you fucking lost anyway? You know, at least they fucking went and they tried to get at it and they tried to make stuff happen. Um, and that's what happens when you come up against an apex team. Let's not make any bones about it. Mohamed Salah is the best player in the world at the moment and not the best player on his day because almost every day is his fucking day. And I'll tell you what, not far behind him would be that little cunt fucking Sadio Mane because he's a jet of a player as well. Um, like you said, you know, their midfield made up of 29. I think the everyone in the midfield was 28 or 29. You know, their backline made up of, of, of quality players, quality keeper. Uh, I think as Arsenal fans, we got a little bit carried away because there was a, a, a couple of injuries to Liverpool. But that team's been together for, for five years, six years. That team has won stuff together. That team understand regardless of who is in the team or who is out the team, what they need to do and where they need to be there. And you saw that in um, Ox Chamberlain's performance. That would have been, what, his, his first start for the season? No, apparently he's started the last three, but he looked shit hot. Absolutely apart, fucking apart shit apart hot. From his, apart from his finishing, which is normal, as we know. Yeah. Um, right, come on. I'm listening to you and I'm getting bored myself. Okay, well, I was gonna, I was gonna put the next question to you, Darren. Darren, a lot of people talking about. Before you give me that question, let me just answer some of these comments. I am so sick and tired of the negativity already. Um, those who are negative out there, those who want to change the manager, I'm reading comments here. Those who want to change the manager think we've misspent our money. Let's have a little look. Let's be realistic. Let's be realistic where we are. We're over a quarter of the way through the season. We're in fifth place, well in touch with the top four. And actually, even well in top, touch with the top of the table. That's how well we've done this season with a, a new side. This is a project that's going to take 12, 18, 24 months. It is. It's, it, it's something at least we're going to plan for. Obviously, priority this year, let's get back into European football and hopefully the Champions League, if not the Europa League, and win it so we can get into the Champions League to attract some more players. But let's just look at the season. We're a quarter of the way in. We're in fifth place. We're in touching distance with the top four. Teams above us, we think we can overtake. We're above Tottenham. We're above Manchester United. We ain't doing that fucking bad this year. So get off the backs. We've had a blip in a very good season that started terribly. We've worked our way back in. The confidence was high. We went to Liverpool and actually gave them a game. Like Toby, I was actually excited. Not so nervous about going there because I just didn't want, want us to get battered. Now, obviously, things didn't go to plan. But I'm, in the comments, I'm saying, well, Brighton can beat them. Yeah, well, where are Brighton in the table? Football's a funny game. To, you know, and result, you know what? Bright, Brighton, will sit, Brighton will sit in a deep block. And if Arsenal sat in a deep block, then the Arsenal fans would fucking crack the shits that we weren't going out, we weren't playing. Look at the City game. We went out against City with an intention not to lose and we got fucking done. Right? We go out against Chelsea and we don't go man for man and we get fucking done. 
We go out against Liverpool and we put together a good half of football. The youngest average age in the Premier League goes up against one of the top teams in Europe and we give them a half of football. I saw the Scunny. Was it Scunny put up? Lukonga had a massive first half. All I've seen is everyone fucking slag off Lukonga. He's a kid and he lost his fucking head and he got subbed off. You know, Tavaj, he's a fucking kid. He played a bad ball and, and we lose the game. Like, I've said from the start, the this top league, this mini league at the top, this top three teams, we're not fucking playing in that league. We could lose all those games home and away. It still won't fucking affect our our position in the table because what we need to do is what we've been doing, which is beat the teams in and around us that are playing for that fifth and sixth spot. And if we're a if we're very, very lucky boys, we might scrape a top four. I would actually argue, Darren, that if we were to make top four this season, we may be underdone for European football. You know, it, it may it Champions may be actually League. Champions League groups are easy. You know, Champions League groups are easy. Arsenal football, look at the teams that are in the Champions League. Because of the way it's spread around European football, Champions League football is relatively easy. It may not be easy to win your group and it may not be easy to come second, but fucking hell, it's easy to come third and then we drop into Europa League. In all our times of 25 years of playing European football, we got through, we, Wenger couldn't get through the groups in his early stages. Now it's easy. Our English football is fucking good. You know, English teams rise to the top. Look how rubbish Manchester United have been this season. And they've, you know, they'll probably get through their group. Do you know, let's 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 not worry too much about not getting in. Let's just get behind these boys and let's try to get in. You know, that, that it's so straightforward. Start to enjoy supporting Arsenal Football Club this year because it's a it's a project we can all get behind. I can't wait. Do you know, I've got I've been away for a month. I'm going. I'm, I'm in Birmingham tomorrow, and I'm going to train home from Birmingham and going back up to Birmingham for a, a gig, just to watch my beloved Arsenal. Because I can't wait. We're home to Newcastle at twelve thirty on a Saturday lunchtime. Who wants to do that? And I'm going on the piss all with my mates for the first time. I haven't seen him for ages. I'm going to be on a piss all night. I'm going to get straight on a train in the morning and go down to football because rather than stay with my mates for a second, I want to actually go and watch me Arsenal. It's important to me. This is it is fun. This is enjoyable. We've had 10 years of turgid crap there. And now at least we've got a project and some players we can get behind. And I'm really looking forward to going to watch these guys. And that crowd will be behind them on Saturday lunchtime because they won't be the negative arseholes that we get who watch Arsenal Football Club, who will just boo every opportunity. This is a new brand of support at the club this year who are actually getting behind the side. It's been a fabulous atmosphere there. If it was full of the fucking people that you listen to on Twitter and the people are put comments in on our, our, our podcast now, it would be a disaster. I wouldn't go. I wouldn't want to be in the same room as these people. But I want to be in a room with people like me who are getting behind this project and supporting the fucking club that I love. <sighs> well, well said. you know, I, I, well I, like said. To believe, I like to believe, Darren, that everyone, even Hitler-supporting Nazis, have the right to a platform, whether we believe in what they say or not. Um, but, Toby, after another Darren rant, which he's really fucking, he's really on one today. Yeah, he's, 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 he's taken he's, our place, hasn't he's he? He's really fucking going for it. And I'm trying to be the, I'm trying to be the calm one. I'm trying to balance the shit. Um, Toby, most people would point at our attack. Again, I've pointed our attack for a lot of the season, you know, saying that it doesn't appear that we've got the goals. Um, the goals that we have got this season have predominantly come from, you know, Emile Smith-Rowe, 
you know, a kid who at the start of the season, everyone said he can't break into the team. He doesn't have the goals. Uh, Saka, mm. despite everyone's fucking massive love fest for Saka, doesn't seem to have the fucking goals. Lacazette uh, in the team as a, a, a connective, I guess more of a second striker than a 10, doesn't seem to have the goals. Odegaard, when he comes into the team, looks like he doesn't seem to have the goals. We don't traditionally only score goals. From... Only because Oba steals them from him. Uh, yeah, um, it, it looks, you know, traditionally we don't score a lot from midfield. We don't shoot a lot from outside the box. Traditionally, we don't score a lot from set pieces. We don't score a lot from corners. I think we're 19th, 19th in all of the leagues for chance creation, uh, which is abysmal for a supposed top 14. Um, Toby, on the spot question, but everyone, including myself over the season, have pointed at Aubameyang and said, well, he's passed it. We need a new striker. We need this. We need that. But is there something that you're seeing? I guess it's the million-dollar question. If you knew the answer, this should be on the Arsenal coaching staff. But is there a connective piece there that you're seeing as somewhere in the pitch that is making us so poor at shot creation? Or is it, as Why Not said kind of earlier in the piece in one of his fucking negative rambles, that we are an uncourageous team and that Arteta doesn't know how to set us up to attack? Oh, there's a million questions in one there. Um, Not really. There's one question at the end. It was just a whole lot of prefaced information. Yeah, I know, yeah, but th- I turned th- off like Toby probably did. What was the question? No, thank, thanks for clarifying. <laughs> I'll, I will get there. I will get there. Um, look, I would probably have picked, and this is with the um, with the power of hindsight, I probably would have picked Erdegaard behind... Aubameyang to get, it, to get his foot yeah. on the ball and and open him up, you know, into some type of space because I thought there was um, there was obviously that disconnect. You know, Liverpool pressed so well um, that we couldn't really get those guys the ball and and Lacazette charges around and and tries very very hard and um, makes a nuisance of himself. But I, I thought that that touch that ability in a, in a tight situation to release a Bamiyang was lacking in this game. Um, and just not having that, that, that freeness of mind to play that extra attacking pass rather than to, um, rather than to play the safe ball, which Lacazette is tend to do, tend to do at the moment, which is play it out to the right rather than play it through and let the attacker run on and, and hit it first time. Um, he did have a he did have one nice through ball where he took the fullback and the midfielder across to the touchline and released a Bamiyang who actually made a shot on goal that Allison saved. Um, so coming back to your to your question, we know what a Bamiyang is. So he is a semi-decent finisher, one out of four, but he needs multiple chances in a game. He also needs to get in behind. So we need to play some type of attacking, counter-attacking game where he can get released usually in between, you know, the the centre and the left channel. So we're going to need someone like Smith-Rowe drifting from the left to the inside channel and 
releasing through balls, which, you know, he almost did with that lovely spin mm. touch and through ball. You know, the problem was Ober was a mile offside. So what I'm thinking still is that Odegaard or um, Smith Rowe is the key. Unfortunately, Pepe and Abamyang are two luxuries that we can't afford on the same pitch because that probably would help Abamyang out as well. But then, you know, defensively we're poor and possession base we're poor. Um, so I'm thinking certainly, you know, as much as Lacazette and Abamyang do play well together, they play well together at times, probably 20 minutes, half an hour at a time, rather than four games in a row at a time. And in final conclusion, I, I'll say what I said last time we met. I think Abamyang can age well with us. He might not be as explosive as he was, but he's certainly not a slowy McSlow face. Um, he could, you know, he could play slightly less and he could still be a weapon. You know, we need to bring someone in who becomes more of a plan A, especially against the big team. You know, dare I say, like a Giroud or a Jekko style player to bring no, in the other. No, you may not. <laughs> Toby, my, um, issue, my issue with Aubameyang that I see is I spoke about how the the we don't get the goals from wide areas necessarily. We don't get a lot of we don't get a lot of goals from anywhere else, and I actually think quite mm. a lot of that is to do with the fact that Aubameyang doesn't actually link particularly well. So Aubameyang is always running away from the ball for me and our ESRs and our Sackers and Erdegaards when he plays, for me, they want tight little triangles and they want to move the ball quickly, pop, 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 open up a space, open up mm. an angle for me. And then you would want Aubameyang on the end of that. The issue that I'm finding is we never advance that, that midfield diamond high enough up the pitch with Aubameyang as a part of it because we're always disconnected and I can't that's, work that's out. That's a good shout. I have, to, I have to say there's too much distance between our midfield yeah. and Aubameyang. I yeah. can't work out how you close that fucking distance and I can't work out where that issue exists. He changed the personnel. In which, in, which, in which position? Don't need to well, give me a I, name I, of a player, but a style of a player who changes I, that. I absolutely think that on top of Mikel Arteta's shopping list is going to be a striker. I don't think there's any doubt about that. The style he's trying to play, you're right. You're, what you're saying is absolutely right. There is a complete disconnect. We've got two forwards playing and I think they've, you know, they hardly have a shot between them for weeks. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's, mm. it, it, that's that's the reality of it. I honestly think, um, you know, he's he's been so supportive of Aubameyang, but I would play like Manchester City sometimes play. When you haven't got that out-and-out striker, play without one. I don't think it would hurt us to play without Aubameyang. I don't really see what he is adding in this team anymore. Um, you know, there's certain games where, you know, we can hit teams on the break and he's very quick or teams that we're going to dominate. Then maybe you want a, a striker like him, but he will be trying to um, get rid of either Lacazette or Aubameyang in a swap for someone in January, definitely the end of the season. Um, and, and that's got to be top of their shopping list because the sort of strikers that we've got don't work. Lacazette works much better in this side than Aubameyang does. You know, because Lacazette comes back, gets involved, gets involved in those triangles. But I would actually play with, put Erdegaard in and take Aubameyang out. Let's play without a striker. What about, what about, what about Erdegaard behind Lacazette? 
So lacquer might actually lacquer might actually drop in, play the wall pass, which allows someone to run past him, might allow Erdegaard to bounce the ball off him, take it back, then release a winger and then have late runners into the box. I, I'm just I'm just wondering at what point, Toby, we spoke at the start of the season, um, Ryan, and congratulations to Ryan, he got married. Someone actually wants to touch his penis for the rest of his life. Which is interesting. Oh, can I'm I just sh- let you know that doesn't always happen when you get married? I got no, married. no, no. It's, I got married it's the opposite. years ago. I'll, I'll, I'll vouch for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah no one touches, actually, no that's one touches when they stop. Anymore either. That's yeah. when they stop touching it. Exactly. <laughs> There's no obligation to touch it anymore, Toby. But at the start of the, <laughs> at the at the start of the season, um, Ryan was immediately calling for Obaming out the team, and and um, Darren and I were essentially saying that if that Arteta will double down on Aubameyang this year, right? As in, he'll be picked at centre-forward for the entire fucking season because then if it doesn't work for him, at the end of the season, they'll say, well, you were picked in your preferred position for the entire fucking year. I'm wondering at what point we get to that bit where a really, really strong manager or a more mature manager would be able to actually go and give Aubameyang a tap and say, I'm going to give you a sit down. I'm going to play Lacazette. Is Lacazette gone in January? Ten part question. You know, is Lacazette gone in January? Is there any value in it? Do you just keep playing Aubameyang for the year now? Is there any value in chopping and changing? People will say play Martinelli up front. Martinelli's never really given us any indication as a centre forward that he is a centre forward. And here's my big fucking curveball, Toby. Pepe up front, false nine. Yeah, well, I probably like that better than Darren's Erdegaard example up there. Um, we have we have said before it's a possibility. Whether he's too lightweight to hold the ball up and do those wall passes, very likely, I would say. Um, yeah, look, I, I'm not keen on. He's also not going to connect. He's also not going to connect, is he, Pepe? No. You're going to be I, in the same I, position I, where he's yeah. running away. I'm not keen. I think it'll be another. Abamyang. I think we're just sort of rearranging the chairs on the the deck chairs on the Titanic. Um, it's a, it's a real conundrum. It's a real conundrum because the the three factors, you know, Lacazette to me has never done it. He's been here for a really long time. He's never scored more than you know fifteen goals in a season. When he started for us, he was deadly. Do you remember like the first disallowed Stoke goal because he had his big toe offside, you know, mm. absolute cracking finish um, in the box. And we thought we've got someone deadly. He's never replicated that. And because no. because he couldn't score enough goals and fair play to him, he worked his ass off and we loved him for that. But he's he's never got the goals. Abamyang got the goals at the start, but at the expense of a lot else. Right, so we were always swapping goals for just being ridiculously poor in possession and defensively. Then you've got Pepe, no way, you know, for me, just no way. So, you know, he's he's a luxury player. Maybe he can become back into the team if we get this elusive number nine, who's an all-round player. So we're we are a little bit fucked in that regard, and and I I absolutely do feel that's. Um, if not the last piece in our puzzle in terms of um, 
the transfer market, the next thing that we have to focus on because we're we're pretty well spread everywhere else. I would say. So I said, top of the shopping list. It's got to be top of the shopping list in January. You know, it really has. They will want a striker. We're being linked with strikers because they, you know, they can see it. I'm sure. I'm 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 surprised he hasn't tried other things. But then we have been successful. Let's let's just put it. Let's be absolutely honest here. We've actually been on a very very good run. So you know, let's not all, let's not all suddenly throw our, our toys out of pram when we've lost a game against a team that was in the Champions League final last year away from home. You know, let, mm. let's let's draw a line under that. Let's see how we play again. Aubameyang, Lacazette are not bad players, but they don't seem to quite fit into the style that Arteta is trying to play. So I'm sure he's looking for someone. You know, he couldn't lose Aubameyang and Urza at the same time. They had to cut a deal with one of them. It would have, it would have been terrible management if we'd have lost both of those players for nothing. So he had to draw a line. He had to sign a. And we know who we would have rather kept. So that's <laughs> not even a a debate. <laughs> Ainsley Maitland Niles, yeah. <laughs> but this is this is my this is my question, Darren. You know, you go buy a new striker, you go put another striker up top. Well, if you're still fucking disconnected, unless it's the striker no, you, that's going to unless it's player, the striker that's going to create the connection, unless well, you're going to buy it. We've got to the striker's got to be in a different format to the type that we've got at the moment. You know, that's the key. It has got to be someone who fits in with the way that we. So play. what we go back to is Giroud. No, no, we don't, don't put big balls in a box. That's not the way we're playing. We're not crossing. We're not. We're not failing because they're not good in the air. We're playing tiki tacky football, you know. And and you know, we're, there's a big gap between our attack and our and and our central midfield. There, there's a problem there. I think he's got to be scratching his head. Why this fucking fifty million pound Thomas Party's been a, a dud so far? He's got to be looking yeah, at see, that and worrying. So what's he got to Sorry, sorry to it. Sorry to attack. Why not? But I see this so much. Give me Ivan, Ivan Tony. Fuck off. We don't need Ivan Tony. He hasn't scored. He scored one fucking goal all year. Ivan Tony. All he is is a big lump who fucking upsets people. You know, I, 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 it, I just have this fucking thing with Arsenal fans. At the moment. That tends to be what I'm called as well. <laughs> none of them seem to fucking know what they want. They want to go forwards, but they want to go backwards. Right, they want to say that they want to be a top-class team and they want to win stuff, but they want to put Martinelli into the team. I just see this whole thing unshaping at the moment. Right, you either have to love what we are and love what we're doing and get behind it, which is almost like the old League Cup model. Right, is what we're doing, and we're turning that League Cup model into a Premier League model right now, which is mm. enjoy seeing kids, enjoy seeing the academy, enjoy seeing them develop, and accept the fucking fact that the experience gap might be bigger than what the talent gap is, right? That from the big teams, our guys on their day might be able to do things as technically as what they can, but as 21 and 22-year-olds, they don't have the fucking experience when it goes shit shape for them, they're fucked. But all I see from Arsenal fans is we don't want to be mediocre, we don't want to be here, we don't want to be there. And then they say fucking things like, we need to sign fucking Ivan Tony, then we need to play another fucking kid. At some point, you're going to have to be ruthless. And someone might have to turn around and say, mm, actually, we need a fucking 26, 27-year-old world-class winger who has 15 to 17 goals in them a season and 10 assists. Maybe we need to go and buy someone who's not from the fucking academy. Or maybe someone we buy might push out someone from the academy, might make them play less fucking games. But you cannot have your cake and eat it too, Darren. 
People cannot say, I want to support youth, and then I don't want to support Arteta, and then I want to bring players in, but I don't want to block fucking youth academy players because the two fucking can't exist in the same stratosphere. Yeah, but people don't know what they want. We live in the age of social media and everyone fighting to the death over every single point. So it's like what you just said, give me the finished article, but I want to bring through the kids. Go forward more, but I, I don't want to ship so many goals. You know, it's... it's Yeah, it's, so the, it's, you, you're right. It's a real so let's have a little look now. We're a quarter of the way into the season. Our, our defence is much, much better than it was. Um, I wouldn't we've, give it up for any defence in the league which, right now. We've shipped, we've shipped lots of goals, but all against the big sides. You know, five at City, four at Liverpool, three at Chelsea. You know. And so can I ask, Darren? I know, I know, you're you're trying to make a point, so just um, just don't don't forget it. One of the reasons we're not shooting much is because we've sorted out our defensive structures. Everything's about our channels and our positions. You know, so yeah, we're not linking very well, but we're doing an amazing job the other side of things. So we have improved in a way that we've been terrible at for numerous years. And now it's time to start tweaking how we're attacking. Mm. Uh, look, there's a comment here saying, let's get Sterling then. I would absolutely get Sterling, stick Sterling on the fucking left of a front three, of a mobile front three, and move ESR into the middle and play ESR in certain games and play Erdegaard in certain games. Like let them fucking let them fucking fight it out. Let and they're the both young. Fight it out. They're both, they're both young. Fucking and young. Both developing. If we yep. end up back in Champions League football, you've got four fucking competitions, and let whichever fucking one of them is having the best impact on the game go and fucking play. Because I tell you what, in the top teams, you don't own a spot, right? ESR doesn't own a spot. Saka doesn't own a spot. Their form will determine whether or not they own that spot. And if someone comes through and someone is playing better than them or someone gets bought in as a backup and is playing better than them, then let them fucking play. Because that's what big teams... Big teams aren't 11 players. Big squads aren't 11 players, right? You need 15, 16 players across an entire season to compete. So I'd absolutely go and buy Sterling. I understand and that Sterling... Sterling, I mean, I don't know if it's just paper talk, that he is an Arsenal boy, you know, he's an Arsenal fan... Um, but let's be realistic as well. He's played at Liverpool, he's played at Manchester City and the options are Barcelona or Arsenal. I'm, I'm not sure that, I mean, I hope, yeah. I mean, I think Sterling's a very, very good player and fits with what we've got. He's still relatively young. He's uh, he's played with these guys at international level. There's there's a lot to be said. Who said that comment? Marcin Ostrowski. Nice to see a new new um, new name on the on the comments. It would be a good shout, but realistically, can we afford him? What sort of wages is he on at, um, at uh, Manchester City? Mm. You know, is it realistic? Is he going to want to play at Liverpool, then Manchester City, and then Arsenal? It's a bit of a downward trajectory, isn't it? I, mean, I, I certainly, it's look, it's an exciting thought. And there's, you know, I, I think he would come in one of the few players that would come in and improve us rather than dropping down to our level. I would say, you know, he has to work hard for Pep, obviously, and that's, you know, and, and in his old um, iteration under Brenda, you know, he was more of an attacking player, but then he had to pull up his socks and do all aspects of the game under Pep. So I think he'd come in and do a very good job. You would assume he would know 
Arteta from Manchester City days. So there's more, as I think about it, there's more links than I would have realised at the start. Like you said, playing with Death Row and Saka and players that he's in the England squad with. But um, do I see it happening? Probably not. Let's not get hung up on the name, right? Let's not get hung up on the individual, right? No, all right. Can I just but the, but the idea of going and buying a 20, what, what's Sterling now? 28? 27, uh, 28? Not 27. sure. 26, 27. Mm. You know, the, the idea no, of going to get it. There's some comments coming in. Why not? Uh, I think making a point where we paid Willian £200,000 a week. But isn't that what we're trying to get away from? Isn't, yeah, but that's, isn't, why not put that aside? That, that was when we were please, in bed please, with fucking Nick and all that. Sorry, what did you say? I couldn't hear you. You were talking over me. I was saying you know, complaining about Willian, we've changed no, no, no. that now. The model is fucking different. Why not? Oh, okay, so you'll say the point I'm trying to make. Okay, all right. What am I going to say now? Fuck you, Max. You're a cunt. You can read minds. Well done. I can. <laughs> the point is, is that we that we are trying to get away from that. There's, there's an issue now. I mean, when Ozil was getting 400 grand a week or whatever it was, you could tell that can upset the dressing room. If he's not particularly well-liked and they're paying someone three, four, five times as much as you and they're not working, then they become the target of both the fans' abuse and I'm sure the players. I don't know if you know this story, but back in the day, and this is when I was very young, do you remember Alan Ball, who used to play for uh, Arsenal? Um, he he was part of the um, England 66 World Cup winning side. And there's a story that's um, that goes about when he joined Arsenal. He joined Arsenal from Everton. He was our record signing at the time paid something like £80,000 for him or something. But it was our record signing. And after his first training session, he left his wage slip on the table in the dressing room because he was being paid about 10 times what the rest of the players were. And and it was a cocky... He did it on purpose. It, apparently that was just... The stories, it might be apocryphal, but I've heard that story from many sources that that's what he did. I'm the big lad. You know, have you seen how much I'm earning? You, you, we've got away from that now. We've got a group of kids all on fucking decent money. They're all earning more money than most of us will earn in a lifetime, you know, in, in, a, in a year. So so let's let's not feel too sorry for them earning their paltry £100,000 a week. But if this is a building process, we have to fit someone into that model. So the striker we're looking for has to fit into that model now. Otherwise, it will cause more problems than it's worth. That's what I was going to say. Mm. And in, in terms think... of team togetherness and cohesion which it's really nice to see because the, the Premier League doesn't act like that anymore. It's all money. It's all ugly arcs. It's all nation states and so forth. So to have an element of togetherness in a team and remove that sort of differentiation between, you know, the normal players and, and the, the superstars on the massive um, wages, it would be amazing if we had... And uh, like an incredibly hardworking all-round striker to come in and replicate that type of thing. Think about, um, think about what's his name for Everton, the tall number nine, who came from their youth academy, Calvert Lewin. Yeah, so someone in that type of mould. Well, know, I think Tam- be- I think Tammy Abraham would have been a great fucking. <laughs> oh, do yes, I? he would. So, I think yeah, Tammy Abraham would have been a great yeah. signing for us because yeah. he would have linked it. But the thing I still question, Toby, that no one seems to question is 
I don't think ESR is a winger forever. I think that's just where you put young kids who are learning their trade at 10. I don't think Saka has the goals. And I wonder if you do put a link-up player there who's just purely a link-up player who maybe won't have the goals. I don't know that that solves everything if you don't have the attacking assets around them to take advantage. Now, I look back at old iterations of Arsenal teams. Um, Sylvain Wiltor, 15 goals a season. Um, mm. uh, Digo Walcott, 15, 16, 17 goals a season. Robert Pires, I think he had a 19, 20 goal season for us. Freddie Lundberg scored goals for us from wide areas. You know, you look back through all these iterations of Arsenal and you look at this Arsenal team now and everyone is so concentrated on the fact that the centre-forwards aren't scoring goals that they don't look at the fucking rest of it, the fact that no one fucking scores goals in this team. I think, I said said earlier, I think Arteta must be scratching his head thinking, why isn't this midfield working? Why isn't Party working? I brought in Party. He was my number one choice. I've got Lukonga, I've got Xhaka, I've got Maitland. The, you know, Party is the is the one that's your figurehead in all of that. Who am I going to part? Who am I going to partner with Party? That's the conversation we've had on here. With it's been all over Twitter. Who's the best? You know, is Xhaka? We said we actually decided in the end that Xhaka was probably the best with with Party. But Party's the one that's fallen down all along for me. He hasn't been the great signing we hoped he would be. He looks out of pace at this level of football. He just doesn't yeah. look like yeah. he's know, never been. He's never been fit for a sustained enough period of time. I think is what ultimately that will come down to. He's never had I, I would a agree. long I, enough I, run to find his feet. Yeah, yeah. I, I would agree. That's definitely um, an influential variable. But with everything you you were just saying, it made me realise how much I miss goals from midfield. So think of us mm-hmm. traditionally, your Ray Parlers back in, the, and I'm talking sort of more central players rather than you know, your Robert Pirezes and, and Bloomberg's and that, your your Ray Parlers, your Cesc Fabregas's, like yep. we, your, your Jack Wilshire's, you know, when he was fit. We have Aaron, always... Aaron, Aaron Ramsey. Aaron Ramsey. Buddy Thomas Rosicki. Like we yep. have got I just... Uh, I, you know, we have such a history of exciting attacking midfielders who can open the game up and score goals and share the, the goals around. So now we've got no goals from strikers, no goals from wide forwards, apart from Smith Rowe, who's not really a wide forward, no goals from central midfield, and the occasional um, headed goal from Gabriel. <laughs> That's about it. Yeah. And then we but win. When you look we, at it, Toby, we're, we're 19th in all of the leagues for chance creation. This is what I'm saying. Have, have we, have we, and this, is, this has been Arteta for quite a while, have we gone so far to close the gaps and shore up goals conceded that that has been our main um, way of clawing our way back up the table? And now yeah, it's time. And to- Toby, much like eating an entire cake, right? When you set out to eat an entire cake because you're a fat cunt, right? You need to put some strategy into eating the cake. And I feel that the strategy was build from the back, be hard to beat, right? I feel that, you know, I can look at that checkbox. Nibble from the side. And come on, Thomas Party, the comment that you just flashed up on the screen was very relevant when uh, Basic said Party didn't come from a team who... who, um, Dominate the ball. Yeah. Dominate the ball, you blind old... Put your glasses (laughs) on. 
But that's the point. We we were all excited because he was going to do both for us, wasn't he? He was going to sit in front of a, a, a ropey defence at the time that we had and he was going to stop us conceding goals. Um, you know, so maybe he is doing that part of it well and I'm not seeing it because I'm not seeing the attacking side of him. But maybe that is a fundamental, something that he does do be- better because we're more confident with him in front of us. So uh, this may isn't have been a crit- the wrong piece at the wrong time. Well, it might not be the wrong player. It might have been in the wrong order of pieces. Party have been may have been the wrong piece at the wrong time. Maybe you need to buy the other guy first. We need we need another piece in there now to work because I'm not confident in Maitland Niles um, being the person like you. I know he's your love child, but I don't see that he's the person that's going to take us back to being in the Champions League and winning things. He has got better though, you know. And I'm watching him week by week. His biggest issue for me always was concentration. I watched him week in, week out, normally when he filled in at left or right back. And he played really well for 20 minutes and then he'd just switch off. Mm. Now, that may be something he's he's improved upon with coaching and with maturity, just, just that little fact of getting older and understanding what he has to do. But that was his issue. But technically, is he some... I mean, let's give him some chance. I mean, See, what I'd I would be doing... Now than, than party. What I would be doing, Darren, is instead of looking at the the individual player. And I think it's like a FIFA generation thing with Arsenal fans. They've grown up, you know, being able to look at all the players in the world and cherry pick who they want. But what I would do is I would look at Ainsley Maitland-Niles. And this is what I was saying about... Hey, look, look, I just need to say there, I had a Panini album when I was young. Yeah, okay. That's <laughs> how I saw the players. I'm, I'm just, I'm, we didn't have I'm television. Just, I'm just saying what I would do is I would look at Ainsley Maitland-Niles and I would look at the attributes that he's providing. And in a money ball sense... Go into the market and go and find someone who provides those attributes, but consistently and at a higher level. So you're looking at someone who's highly press resistant, who progresses the ball forwards with the ball at their feet and who runs into space. That's what we miss as a midfielder. Now, if we thought that was what we were getting out of party, it would appear that that is not the case of what we're getting out of party. You know, we're looking at someone like Sambi Lakonga. And Sambi Lakonga, it feels to me like he was bought for a season, two seasons' time. So you needed a wedge in there. You needed someone else there. Maybe the idea this year was to play Xhaka and to play party and to build that relationship, but that hasn't happened. So look, look, just, well, look. Only because of injury. And I've been sitting on this point for a couple of minutes. Um now, I think Lukonga and Mainsley, if we're talking about four midfielders to rotate, it ain't that bad. It's not as bad as we're thinking. Party is better if Xhaka's there. To all the, the Xhaka haters, it's just... Mainsley's better with Lukonga. Fair enough, fair enough. But let me, let me reach my point. I think Party is less of that central fulcrum and better when someone sits slightly behind him, i.e. the Xhaka role. Okay, he's got less of that pressure on the ball and he can do more instinctive play going forward. So party covers the ground very well, disrupts the opposition rather than being a defensive midfielder. He also progresses the ball not too badly because he's slightly higher up the pitch. Xhaka enables him to do that. Xhaka also opens up that left-sided channel. So who improves in a left-sided channel? who's not performed. Exactly. So when we get back to that Jacker party partnership, and that's our primary partnership, it ain't that bad. Then Yeah, but Jacker, so for every bit you're positively talking about Jacker, he's, all of them have positive 
attributes and all of them have negative attributes. And that's the, that's the problem with all of those players. Mainsley on his best day is a good player. Lekonga on his best day is a good player. Xhaka on his best day is a good player. Party on his best day is a good player. But none of them are complete. You know, and if you look at the, the best teams, they have complete midfielders who are on their best day or they are 7 out of 10 all of the fucking time. And our guys aren't 7 out of 10 all of the time. We get great games, we get bad games, we get good periods in games, we get bad periods in games. Well, I would argue that that Xhaka is the most consistent. Party yeah. and Xhaka are consistent. And then the two young boys coming through are learning their trade under them and could develop into something. So I... I think that's the plan. We just didn't bank on Xhaka and Party being injured so much, particularly Xhaka. Yeah. Um, look, we've done over an hour, so we usually stop. Look, I'll, you know, but final sort of little thoughts from me is I think a lot of people want to go out and buy a 70, a 60, 70 million pound striker. I don't think that solves a huge amount for us. I think that we need a world-class number eight, an absolute world-class number eight, and I would be scouring the divisions to find someone who links the good parts of Xhaka and the good parts of an Ainsley Maitland-Niles. That's what I'd be looking for. The, the, the next part I think that is a fallacy again, is that people want to go and get the 70, 80 million pound striker. I think what you probably need is someone who's more of a workhorse, someone who's more going to link the play. And then I would go and I would put the money into giving us a fucking worldy winger and get us back having someone with production and goals from wide areas. It feels to me like that's where we're falling down. And um, in the whole scheme of things, you know, watching the Liverpool game, watching the first half, I, I called this podcast Boys Against Men. And I think ultimately that's where it sits. I think it was a team of boys against a team of men. I think it was a, a group of, of kids who went out there and tried really hard and looked quite good for 35 minutes. And then it all fucking came apart for them. And they didn't have the experience to be able to change shift within the game and they got pulled apart and they made mistakes. And Final part for me then, because I agree with actually everything you said there, Max, for a change, but the, the key to the development of this team is how they perform at the weekend because you learn more about losing than you do about winning. And they were embarrassed. They were embarrassed. You could see on their face they are embarrassed. They fell apart at the weekend. They really did against Liverpool. Once Liverpool got in front, the mistakes were happening all over the pitch, weren't they? It weren't just one or two. It was mistakes by Tavares, uh, mistakes by Lekonga. But the whole team's head dropped when they went a goal down, then two goals down. And the reaction this weekend, we will see how far this team has developed. Um, I won't, I've just seen another Arteta out. Um, you know, for this, you know, defensive sideways passing. We're fifth in the fucking league over a quarter of the way through the season. We're above Manchester United, above Tottenham with a bunch of kids. I'm really impressed by this bunch of kids and how they perform at the weekend will be a good indicator of how we're going to finish this season. Above Leicester, too. Toby. Toby, final thoughts? No, no, just learn, learn oh, that's, from that's it. Great. Hey. That's great for, great for content. Well done. <laughs> what? <laughs> What? But just fuck final, off, Max. You are such a tosser. It was such a nice final, finish. You're final, all good. Final, you just have to be a Final abusive. thoughts. Final thoughts. No. Well, is <laughs> he come on? We've had we've had his thoughts for an hour and ten minutes. Yeah, he's actually realised that now's a good time to end a podcast on a high. Now let's all drift around again and ask the same question to everyone. Fuck anyway, off, what I was about to say was learn from it. 
The first half hour was great. At least we kept playing after we went down. Who cares whether it's 2-0 or 4-0, you know? And like Darren said, we'll we'll learn from it and this will be a test of, of our form previously. You know, if the heads drop, the previous form was for nothing. If we learn from it and improve, no problem. We weren't going to beat Liverpool away anyway. doesn't matter if it's 4-0 or 2-0. And without Aaron Ramsdale, it probably would have been 6-0. So, could have been worse. Much like going to the doctor, boys, sometimes you just want a chlamydia diagnosis. You want to walk in, you want to say, my dick burns, and you want the doctor to say, take these two pills. And I feel like the loss to Liverpool was a chlamydia diagnosis. It's not going to end us forever. It's not herpes. We're not HIV positive. Right? It wasn't a cancer dying. We don't have cancer of the cock. It's just chlamydia. We're going to take two pills. We're going to move on and upwards. We'll see you next week. All cleared up. Great comment. an Arse Brothers production. Follow us on Twitter at The Arse Brothers. Get all our content on YouTube, Facebook, Spotify and SoundCloud at Arse Bros. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to smash that subscribe button.